What if I told you there's a way you could be a second shooter at a family session so you can see exactly how the photographer prepares, how they interact with their clients, what they say when they're posing, or when they choose to use fluid motion, what they do when kids might not cooperate or dad might not be in the session. What if I told you there's a way you can see what the gear is that they're using, where they're positioning themselves when they're shooting, what factors they're taking into consideration when they're shooting, what if I told you there was a way you could see what their straight out of camera images look like, and then you could see their editing process too, so you know exactly how they get those start to finish images and those polished ones you see in your Instagram feed. Now what if I told you you could be that second shooter without ever having to leave your house? What if I told you that not only do you get to watch it from home, but you didn't have to remember every single thing you were trying to learn the first time you watched it? What if you could watch and rewatch as much as you wanted? How would that improve your images, your posing, your confidence? Now, what if I told you there is a way you could be a second shooter, not only for one photographer, but 26. That's exactly what you'll experience inside the 2024 online family retreat. Your inspiration will soar, your art will improve, your posing will become more fluid, and your confidence is going to increase so, so much. And honestly, your clients are going to feel so much more comfortable. Head on over to themilkyway.ca slash family retreat. It all gets underway May 29th, and we hope to see you there. Let's look at what makes this baby unique. Let's look at their natural way of being and what's beautiful about that. Because that's the whole reason we got into this in the first place. It wasn't the perfect posing. It was to, you know, really document those unique characteristics and features and to allow these parents to share in those memories and to experience them for a long time because, you know, it's a fleeting time. They change so much. Welcome to the Art and Soul Show, where we dive into heart-opening chats on photography, business, life, and that messy in-between. I'm your host, Lisa DeJeso, a mom, a photographer, and entrepreneur, and I'll be sharing honest conversations and advice for photographers with insight on mindset, entrepreneurship, and creativity. The goal of this podcast is for you to be able to gain insights and strategies that will give you real results. Because let's face it, having a photography business can be lonely, but it doesn't have to be. This is a place you can go when you need a boost of encouragement, a kick in the pants, and inspiration to pick up your camera. This is the Art and Soul Show. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the show. So today I am so excited to chat today with my buddy and my own mentor, Stephanie Robin. We first met at a workshop in 2012 when I attended her in-person workshop. She's known in the photography industry as a huge advocate and world-renowned educator in newborn posing and baby safety. Stephanie is the gold standard, my friends. She is the owner of a successful boutique studio, Stephanie Robin Photography, located in Burlington, Ontario, Canada, and the co-creator and president of APNPI, the Accredited Professional Newborn Photographers International. Stephanie is noted for creating emotive imagery of new and burgeoning families and works primarily out of her studio space in Burlington's North End. She was awarded Photographer of the Year by the NAPCP for the year 2011 and holds several placings in the international image competitions and has attained accreditations in newborn child and maternity portraits through the PPA of Canada. 
Since 2009, she has also shared her creative approach to newborn posing through workshops and private mentoring, both in her studio and internationally. Now, Stephanie's work has been published in various magazines and newspapers and featured commercially. She is so passionate about baby safety. So without further ado, here is Stephanie. Hello, Stephanie. Welcome to the show. Hi, thanks for having me. So can you share who you are and what you're passionate about? Sure. I'm Stephanie Robin, and I am passionate about a lot of things. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of things, actually. But uh, I would say in the photography industry, more so newborns and safety and newborn physiology and reflexes. Love it. No, I love hearing you talk about baby safety because I think through education and sharing this information, it is so important for photographers and things to be aware and educated about. Can you share how your experience as a registered physiotherapist has given you that insight to bring back and share your knowledge so photographers can do sessions safely? Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) So this is definitely something that came pretty naturally to me. I trained as a physiotherapist. And prior to that, I actually studied professional dance training at the School of Toronto Dance Theatre. That's uh, what led me into physiotherapy was the study of the movement of the human body. So I think I've always had an interest in physicality and in movement. And when I got to working with newborns, I quickly realized that in no other genre of photography are you handling your subject in this way. So you really are in control of all of those joints and muscle and bone structure. And I think it's really important to have an understanding of what you're doing, (laughs) what those end feels feel like for joints and, you know, where safety is concerned with, especially newborns, because they have different reflexes than we do and a couple of unique characteristics about their their bodies and the way that their joints are going to move. I think it's so fascinating. I remember when I was first getting started, I actually had the pleasure of meeting you in British Columbia, I believe in 2011. So um, (laughs) I learned my baby safety from Stephanie and she's always been the gold standard, you guys, as far as education in regards to newborn safety. Now, can you share a little bit, Steph, how becoming trained as a new photographer in safety is so essential to your success as a photographer? Yes. So I think that it really is a pillar of this type of photography. It's something that you should have a good understanding of before you delve into some of the more complicated poses, because there are risks involved. I mean, with anything, but in particular, when you're risking someone else's precious cargo, these babies are the most important part of these parents' lives. And I think it's really important that you have a good understanding of how to provide a safe environment how to handle that baby safely. And just, you know, the added bonus of that is you're probably going to have a smoother session and things will go more quickly for you and and you'll be more comfortable and your parents will be more comfortable with you as well. So I really do think that's, you know, one of the reasons that people should seek out quality safety education and should look for that, you know, and, and the credentials behind the people that are teaching 
the safety because you want to ensure that you're learning accurate information. I mean, anyone can Google, but you want to be able to evaluate information and know what is in fact, you know, the safest techniques. We talk about this a lot. There's safe, safer and safest and bet your bottom dollar. I've modified the way that I've been working Since 2009, uh, a lot has changed. And, you know, as you learn more and you come into a a greater understanding about babies or their joints or anything really in in business in general, you are going to continue to grow. And I think that's really important with safety too. Yeah, I think so. What I think is fascinating too is just even how the trends have changed over the past 10 years. Like when we were first getting started, newborn posing was really this brand new thing. We went from Ann Geddes, who was doing some interesting things with babies, um, to some of the pioneers like Carrie and Britt and Tracy and, um, oh gosh, I can't remember her name. Kelly. Tracy and Kelly, yes. (laughs) Um, And it's just changed so much. And I think almost, you know, there is a time where a lot of photographers are just posing babies for other photographers and mm-hmm. forgetting that there is like a tiny little human that the parents, you know, they don't always care if, you know, fingers are completely flat or, mm-hmm. you know, little faces aren't slightly mushed. And so I think it's just so fascinating how I can almost see like a turning of the tide in the industry where we're getting away from things like, you know, suspended babies or, or, you know, froggy pose where babies are, you know, hopefully being done as composites, but that's not necessarily the case. So I love that it's starting to sort of move in that direction. How do you feel about that? I am in love with that idea. I think a lot (laughs) of those poses are a little bit more contrived, right? Like, yeah. I've always said, you're never going to walk by a nursery and see a little baby sitting there in frog pose, right? Hello. No. Hello. <laughs> it's not natural <laughs> at all. So I think that one of the things that we miss out on as photographers in this particular genre of photography is the connection aspect. Your baby yeah. is asleep most of the time, right? If you're lucky. And uh, a lot of people shy away from photographing babies with eyes open. You know, you're missing out, man, because yep. those awake <laughs> babies are very expressive and parents really connect to those images. So I'll often tell people, you know, what's the first thing that they're going to ask you when they see your baby in the hospital? They're going to already know the name. They're going to know a couple of particulars about, you know, anatomically how this baby looks. But that question is going to be, you know, what color are their eyes? They want this baby to open their eyes. They want them to look at them. And a lot of times you're sitting in that hospital bed looking at your guests going, don't you dare wake up this newborn. (laughs) People love to see their eyes. And so I think we forget as photographers because it becomes about ego. What can I accomplish? What can I do to make myself feel like I'm a legitimate newborn photographer and I can do these poses? And it becomes more about yourself then and your journey than the story you're trying to tell for these parents. So I think it's a beautiful thing that the industry is kind of changing this narrative, turning the tide and looking at, no, let's look at what makes this baby unique. Let's Mm -hmm. look at their natural way of being and what's beautiful about that. Because that's the whole reason we got into this in the first place. It wasn't the perfect posing. It was to, you know, really document those unique characteristics and features and to allow these parents to share in those memories 
and to experience them for a long time because you know it's a fleeting time. They change so much. So excited to yeah. answer your question. I feel excited. <laughs> I love it because we actually, we did a um, an interview, I believe it was last year with Russ Jackson, when COVID was first coming out and how the industry mm-hmm. and how as photographers, we were starting to need to look at changing things. So I, I'm hoping that, you know, the goodness of COVID-19 and this whole pandemic has been that we are a little bit more aware and more connected to our subjects. So I'm Mm -hmm. sure that you are too. Love Russ. Um, (laughs) He and I actually talked about this as well, that, that, you know, trying to get back to that natural look is important. And you know what, I'm just going to point out right now because I'll fangirl, why not? (laughs) Back in the day, right? I loved looking at all of this imagery of these, you know, our idols that, that we used to follow. And if you want to go back and look at some of the work by Carrie and Britt, you will notice that babies are not perfect in their imagery. It's not a formula. And uh, too many times nowadays, we're trying to seek these learning opportunities, go to workshops so that we can replicate, replicate, replicate. We're, you know, liquefying in Photoshop and using the puppet warp tool and, you know, trying to get them to look exactly the same as, as, you know, that person posed them in taco pose. And I think it's less about, or it should be less about trying to make your babies fit a mold and more about trying to create imagery that speaks a truth about the relationship this baby has with their parents and what makes them unique. Yeah, I love that. I would say almost 90%. If I have have awake babies, I would say 90% of the times, those are the images that my clients will pick for their birth announcements. They're the ones that they like the most, and especially the ones where they're making funny faces. Mm -hmm. Like, those are my favorite. Those are my client's favorite. Mm -hmm. Those, like, (laughs) you know, and with all the training and everything, it's... It's fascinating that, you know, we have to remember who we are actually are shooting for yeah, and that this is a tiny little human and this is all about love and connection, not about perfection. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I think what's really interesting too, if you do IPS and I'm sure yeah. you're interviewing people that, tons, you know, yeah. tons that, that do IPS, this is a great opportunity for you to really start to see what your clients connect with because they're not going to opt to purchase every single image for their walls, right? They're not looking to do something with every image, but the images that they really connect with are the ones that, you know, are the most meaningful for them. And from what I've noticed, there is a trend. So, and that trend includes five things, anything where their eyes are open, anything where baby is with the parents, with mom, dad, whatever partners, anything in which you have the siblings. So baby with siblings, and you can do those by, you know, composite to keep that safe if you need to, right? Anything in which the baby is expressive, a yawn, a sneeze, pirate eye, owl face. (laughs) (laughs) And lastly, anything in which they're posed in a way that reminds those parents of something they do in their real world life. Yes. So I love that during a session when someone will come and say, oh, that's exactly how she sleeps yep. in a bassinet. Because I know for sure <laughs> I have done my job. This is, they're going to connect with this image. They're going to love mm. this image, right? And that's, yep. that's a good feeling when you can document something that someone can connect with that deeply. Yeah, 100%. I had a client recently, a baby was sleeping with 
arms back. And she's like, she always sleeps like that. And I was like, oh, that's the shot. That's the shot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I was once with um, Kelly Brown. I I actually, she did a safety course and I was there as an advisor and she said something while she was teaching and it has stuck with me. She said, you know, I always ask parents, what's the first detail that they noticed when they were given their baby in the hospital? Because she's going to ensure that she gets that image, that she puts that in their gallery because she knows that's something they're going to connect with. I love that. Smart. (laughs) So smart, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm mentally noting that one too. (laughs) So what have been some of the biggest mistakes or safety concerns that you have seen in your career? I, uh, yeah, there have been, there have been a number. I could talk on any number. There's so many elements that you need to be aware of really, you know, from overheating to over wrapping to tightly unsupported, I think is the biggest issue because, you know, people aren't necessarily aware of the risks of positional asphyxiation or how narrow the breathing tube is Mm -hmm. for a newborn and that their heavy head, even in any extreme direction. So if they're in too much flexion, so chin coming to the chest, that can cut off the airway. But if they're bent upward as well, if the head is hanging too far back, that also can bend the airway and, and cut off that air supply. So, you know, There's a lot to know, but I would say definitely leaving babies unsupported Mm -hmm. or in extreme positions with their head uh, is is a a big no-no for me. And I would always recommend that you have that extra set of pair of hands on hand for you, right? Uh, That spotter or that extra set of hands as an assistant is so important. And I know that some people will say, I don't, I don't make enough to hire someone. I, I can't hire anyone to do that for me. And there are others who will say, you know, parents don't know enough or they're too enamored with their baby yeah. uh, to truly do a good job. And so the truth lies somewhere in the middle. I think with good communication, it is possible that you could use the parents. I don't think that's an impossibility. It is safer than not. Is it yeah. the safest? No, I, I, I would say there is a safer option, which would be that you would hire an assistant who is trained in the techniques that, you know, you have worked with on a number of occasions that can, you know, be there with you to act as that second pair of hands. And certainly my work as a photographer changed once I had yeah. that available to me. So, but I understand that everyone starts somewhere and if you're not making enough money, then you cannot be hiring others. And there are options. So you can do trades. Yep. Uh, you can have assistants that, you know, may, maybe are on a baby plan. Maybe it's a mom on mat leave, but she's able to come. She has some childcare. And so throughout that first year, she's able to come in and help with a few sessions here and there. And then, you know, you do a swap. So, and you can have a few of those on hand. That's one idea. But there are certainly ways of, of mm-hmm. getting around the financial barrier there. I think the best one I can think of is be really good at your craft and charge what you're worth. Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> yep. Exactly. I, I completely agree. Because I hired, hired an assistant a few years ago. And it's not as expensive as you think. Like, mm-hmm. if, you're, if you're, you know, even if it's just cash and you're paying someone 15 or $20 an hour, that's only $60 for three hours. Yeah. Right. And think of like all the things it's your session's going to go faster. Yes. Right. Like how much time you're going to be saving and And they'll help you with cleanup and 
everything, right? Set up, clean up, everything goes faster. So yep. you're, and you know, if they need more hours, you can teach editing and yep. you can kind of off, like hand off mm-hmm. more of the tasks that you're not as interested in, in yep. doing. <laughs> exactly. I have, I've heard in some of our groups that there is concern about hiring a spotter because they may be interested in photography and training your competition. And so what are your thoughts on that? You know, <laughs> I'm I know. kind of all about lifting people up. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I feel like you just have to keep your eye on the ball of your own yeah. your own self and your own work. And yeah. if you treat people with love and respect, then they also will treat you with love and respect. 100%. Um, I'm in a position now where I work for another physiotherapist who has a physiotherapist-owned clinic. In future, should I wish to have a physiotherapy clinic... I think I would still be able to do so and have a good relationship with her, even in the same city. It's just the way in which that you approach that situation. But she is such a caring boss and is so nice and treats us like family. I wouldn't want to tread on her toes. And so I would make sure to, you know, put things in place that I would make sure I wasn't taking her clients. And, And honestly, there are enough clients for all of us. There Seriously, really are. I know. There truly is. And I think the biggest problem with this idea of competition also comes down to the fact that a lot of people are doing the same work. Yeah. The same look, the same colors, the same props, same, same, same. And it's really hard for a client to differentiate and decide to choose you if you're not unique, if there's nothing of you in your work. So if you are creative and if you have your own approach and you're personal and you bring your personality into your business, you don't really have to worry about the competition. It can be more about community and less about competition. And it's such a nicer way to live. (laughs) Girl, you're preaching to the choir. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what advice do you have for creating a safe environment in your studio for a newborn session? Right. So, I mean, there's a lot of COVID protocols right now Mm -hmm. that, you know, we all have to or should be adhering to, I I think. And some of them are good ideas in general. I mean, I've thought recently about the masks and, you know, uh, when you teach workshops around the world, you'll see that in different countries, there is different levels of acceptability for what is and what is not uh, considered clean or <laughs> customary uh, when it comes to being sanitary, I guess. And, uh, you know, even in South America, you would never put a blanket on the floor. You would never put a prop on the floor when you're done with it. Everything is raised up in a, you know, a very clean basket and uh, in places where people wear their shoes in their home. It's kind of the same idea, right? So I think that there's a lot that you can do in your studio to make people feel comfortable and to create a safe environment from the ground up. So just checking your floor for tripping hazards is huge. We have a lot of cords and baskets and things that can get in the way, rugs and, you know, props and items, and you don't want people to trip on those. A lot of times these postpartum moms might still have a little bit of a tummy. They might be a bit sleep deprived. So maybe not being able to see their feet or the floor very clearly. And so you want to make sure you don't have any of those tripping hazards or slipping, you know, areas or really clearly delineated edges if they're going to be stepping up or down stairs or levels. You can check over all of your props to make sure nothing has splinters or cracks. 
that sort of thing. Uh, you want to make sure that if you are using heating, you don't heat babies from underneath where you can't monitor the color of their skin. So you can't check for hot spots or changes because their skin is very fragile. And in for the same reason, if you're going to use a space heater, you're going to want to back that thing up. Don't oh, yeah. have that so close. It's like a yoga studio. You don't need to heat <laughs> the baby, you need to heat the environment. Yeah. So you can use that heating pad on your on your uh, surface ahead of time, and then take it off. Yeah. So that and I would take it off, you know, a little bit in advance of placing a baby down. But it'll create that nice warm nest rather than heating from underneath. Because in that way, the heat can then dissipate. Babies have a very bad circulatory system, I would say, like it's yeah. not mature. And so they have a very limited amount of control over their thermoregulation. So if they're too cold, this can go bad pretty quickly. And if they're too hot, same thing. Mm -hmm. So you're going to want to make sure that you're monitoring the temperature and the humidity. Yeah. The more humid the environment, the heavier everything feels, the less babies can sweat to get rid of their heat. And you know, just in speaking of that, they have fewer uh, sweat glands. Yeah. So babies really only have sweat glands on the palms of their hands, soles of their feet and nape of their neck. And these are the areas that you can check to see if they are overheating. If those are wet or dewy, then yeah, you might have your humidity up too high or you might yeah. have your heat up too high. So those are all ways in which you mm -hmm. can modify your environment, uh, yeah. you know, just to make sure that you're creating a safe space, yeah. but also Currently, you know, hand washing, huge. We should have all been doing this forever. <laughs> and hand sanitizer, I think as an industry, we've been pretty good yeah. on that in that respect, you know, for years. But wearing the masks, I mean, I'm not opposed to that. I think it's great. Yeah. My kids haven't had colds all year. <laughs> no, we've been healthier than um, any other year ever. Yes. Right. And, you know, uh, I have to say, like in teaching workshops, it weighs heavy on my heart. I had one in, uh, instance where I taught a workshop in Brazil and a few weeks later I heard from the host who had brought in one of her friends. She had had a little baby and the baby's older sister was about eight. Uh, they'd come in and we'd gotten these gorgeous pictures, uh, sibling images of the eight-year-old with her baby brother. So happy that that happened and he was so good. He passed away from a respiratory <gasps> illness a few weeks afterwards. And oh it just, I, it's an unknown for me. There were 10 of us in the room and, you know, you do screen and you ask people not to come if they're sick, but when people are investing to come mm -hmm. to a workshop, you just wonder. So, you know, if any of you are feeling ill or your family members are feeling ill, please know it's just not worth it. Yeah. You know, you want to, that's another thing that you can control. Yeah. <laughs> so even, think, even, even masking as an industry standard when it yes. comes to, you know, education, I think I'd love to see that. I really hope it sticks around. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Hmm. So can we chat a little bit about the froggy pose? Because yes. I know this is, we kind of mentioned <laughs> it a little bit earlier. This is a pose that I actually refuse to do. Mm -hmm. Now, can you share your reasoning on why this is a pose that really should be avoided? Yes, sure. I do not do this pose. I don't do this pose. I used to only do this pose when parents would request it, but now I don't do it. I do not do it. 
in my studio. And I think it's just because there's too much of a risk with this pose, honestly. If you think about the position, it's very unnatural and it's an end range position for a lot of joints. So babies are in a very high cocked position of their neck in, into extension. Those wrists are usually flared, you know, really far back as well into extension. I think there isn't enough training around for people to understand how to complete this pose in a safe way or safe enough way because at some point you are going to be holding a baby with a single hand you know by their head that doesn't seem right no so even even when you're creating it as a composite even if you use all of the bony prominences for your support you know positions for your hand like the jawline or the cheekbone or on their skull you still have that fontanelle soft spot you still have those temples that's a risk right you still have that whole underside of the jaw where there's pressure on the wrists of the hands not to mention that extreme position of external rotation and flexion abduction with the hip joint it's just not a natural pose and honestly I feel like it perpetuates Halloween for babies, which is sometimes yeah. what I think our industry is tending towards is, yeah. you know, dress up yeah. uh, for, for newborns. They, they can't give you enough feedback either in the yeah. position as to, you know, whether they're liking it or not. And a lot of times they're sleeping. So you think, oh, there's no problem. But honestly, I don't think that with injuries even, let's say you had an accidental handling, a, a baby toppled over, or, you know, there was a cutoff of the airflow that you didn't realize was happening and you move them and you think, well, you know, they didn't completely turn purple, so it's okay. I've seen so many instances of this pose being done where you see the SOOCs and you can start to see that central cyanosis around the mouth where yeah. you're seeing the lips turning a bit blue. Yeah. Um, and chest area as well as another area where you can look for central cyanosis is not as obvious in this pose because it's covered by the arms, but I just find it too risky, uh, yeah. for the babies. And honestly, I, I ask parents when they do request the pose, what is it about this pose that you love? And sometimes it's just that, well, I really like this one because they're upright. And so you can see their full face yeah. shape. Nothing is, you know, squished or squashed like they are if they're in a side lie position. Okay, great. Let's do, you know, head on the hands or head, chin on wrists, yeah. right? That one. That's another way in which you can support a baby. And, and because their body is being supported through the beanbag or the table surface, whatever you're using, you know, there's less strain and stress on yeah. the babies, especially since you, you can handle them as well in a composite scenario. I just don't think the risk is worth it. Yeah. It's it's not people like it because it's cute, right? They yeah. they have that aw feeling. But when I think about putting, you know, if I were to say or if someone was to say to me, "Okay, we're going to take your 8-year-old daughter and put her in a scenario that maybe is going to be a bit dangerous, but don't worry, we're going to give her some support." So, yeah. you know, she should be okay. Yeah. I'd be like, "What do you mean she should be okay?" Yeah. Like that doesn't sound like no. I want to, no, you cannot have my eight-year-old do that with them. My eight-year-old's not going bungee jumping. No. Right? <laughs> why, why would I put them in, in a risky scenario? Yeah. So it's just, you know, yeah, we do an important thing by documenting newborns. And it's yeah. it, what we do and what we provide is very valuable, but it's not more valuable 
than this baby's well-being. And a yep. lot of the risks and the the outcomes of if something goes wrong, they're not necessarily going to be detected day of, next yep. day. That sort of thing could be something that, you know, you look at it as a delayed gross motor skill because they had a, you know, lack of oxygen to their brain. It's not something yep. that you're going to see right away. So whether or not babies are being injured in these poses, is not something we can definitively say yes or no. Yeah. Right? Is it contributing? Is it not? I just would rather not even go Mm -hmm. there. Yeah. So can I ask, what do you think about these posing tables that are are coming out? How how do you feel about those? Right. So I have an opportunity to actually review a few of them, and I Mm -hmm. have that lined up to do. And we're going to be presenting that review through APMPI Mm -hmm. shortly. Uh, I don't know yet. I don't know. I want to see that they're stable. I want to see that you can kick a leg and not have the thing collapse on you. I think biomechanically, being able to sit in a chair with your legs underneath and have a baby posed in, you know, in relation in chest area kind of, of where you're sitting. I think that's great for the photographers biomechanically. I think it's really good for your low back health, hanging over the beanbag and kneeling all day or squat sitting. Actually squatting is not so bad for you. Um, something that we've kind of lost over here <laughs> in our way of life, but uh, squatting can be very healthy. But I think most photographers kneel more so yeah. when they're working on, on the beanbag surfaces. You know, biomechanically, it's not great. And I don't think that the way the career is, is set up that, you know, it's, it's meant for longevity. Once you've done this 10 or 12 years, you're going to start to notice your knees are hurting a little more than they should. Your low back is aching after your sessions. So for those reasons, I think tables are a good alternative. Yeah. But I think it's the stability element and ensuring that they have locks in place so that, you know, a lot of them have these folding backdrop Mm -hmm. pieces. And I I don't want to see that collapse. So it would be hard for me to say right now, being that I haven't actually seen one or um, worked with one myself hands-on yet, shortly, hopefully. (laughs) But uh, I think for the photographer, there are some advantages. Yeah. 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 I find find them interesting because my my mama gut reaction is like, (gasps) like Mm -hmm. that baby is suspended off the ground. And for like, and for me, I've all like, when I first saw them, I was like, oh, hell no. Oh, no, 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 no. But I can see why this could be beneficial. And I just, I worry about everything. So yeah, I don't, I don't love the wheels aspect. I don't love the wheels. I have to say that one, I don't love it. I don't love the idea of wheeling them around on there. Although, you know, bassinets are on wheels, but they don't have all those collapsible parts and they seem to be made out of like structurally sound materials and, uh, I don't know. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. And I'm, I'm neither here nor there yet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'll be curious. I'll be waiting to hear um, Mm -hmm. how you do feel about that because I always, I always know that you're the pinnacle of, of, you know, photography, safety, excellence. I would though, like, I think it would be really interesting. I would like to investigate this from a parent perspective. Yeah. Like how they feel about it. How do you feel about this? Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, because my beanbag, like, I think I have three different beanbags that are always Don't on the floor, all? right? Like, <laughs> I'm always getting a new bag. Instead of filling it, I just buy a new one. <laughs> Amazing. 
I mean, who doesn't love filling a beanbag? Right? Really, oh you're gosh. filling your whole house with beans Seriously. or your studio. Wow. Oh my gosh. Man. I feel like that's the rite of passage. Right? <laughs> When you have that explosive photo on Facebook, guess just what like, I did today? Yeah, and you're just, it's, everything is stuck to you. Oh, yeah. everywhere. Uh-huh. Have you ever had them in your bathtub and tried yes. to wash them down? Uh-huh. Yeah, Bad I idea. mistake too. Mm-mm. I used actually our home vacuum. Yes. Like the, and that, that actually worked really well. I just yes. sucked everything up. Yeah. Yeah. So there's got to be, be a better way to fill it. <laughs> So I think that learning to read newborns and to know their cues when they're they're unhappy or, or even when they're going to move, smile or poop, it's really essential to smooth sessions. Now, what tips do you have on learning to read their cues? Right. So I ask a lot of questions and I think that really helps. If you can get some details from the parents and I start right with the birth story because I want to know, did this little one have a traumatic birth? Is there a possible you know, issue with the shoulder or the collarbone or, you know, where they breach because that'll change the springiness of those legs. So I try to work with, with the babies as much as I can, their own personal preferences. But I think that some of the cues are just innately there, right? It's almost like reflexes with them. So you can tell when they're hungry, you can sort of see when they're going to have a big poop. And usually your your best indication of that is they don't want to be crunched up. Mm -mm. So they, they're, you know, they're going to want to be like laying out, maybe bum up or side lying. Oh yeah. A little (laughs) bit of the wiggles happening, a little grunting maybe. (laughs) And I actually really like that timing because you're likely to get a smile with it. Right. So oftentimes you see that little tremor of the lip and you'll know there's a smile coming. Uh, so that's another one, but, uh, Yeah, I think the more that you work with them, you naturally pick up those cues, you know, subconsciously. It's kind of like, have you ever seen that documentary that they did with Ronaldo, the the soccer player, where they they kick a ball in and he's meant to header it into the net. And then they start to turn the lights off. So they turn the lights off right after the guy kicks the ball and he connects with it. He can actually figure out where it is in space. Then they take it a step further. They turn the lights off before his foot even touches the ball. He's still connected with it. And lastly, they turn the lights off right when the kicker had kind of cocked his leg back in the air. So subconsciously, Ronaldo has just learned by the angle of the hip and the way in which he's holding his leg, how he will hit that ball and where it will end up in space. He even said he didn't think that on that last one that he would connect. He thought he'd be way off the lights. It was completely dark and you, but they had that, uh, you know, the goggles and things, the the night vision camera. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you could (laughs) see it and he actually connected with the ball. So you do a lot of subconscious learning as you work in an area over years and years. And I think the more time you spend with newborns, the more you become familiar with those cues and what to look for, because you just see repetitively the same things. And that just speaks to how much they, you know, the physiology matters because they do follow these same patterns, right? So, you know, I love when parents come in and they're willing to give a soother, but they say their baby won't take one. Yeah. No, no, no. They're not going to take it. Oh yeah, they will. Yeah. <laughs> you just need to know. <laughs> just let me try. To, <laughs> like, right. Let, let me try. And usually yeah. they're, they're thanking you profusely as yeah. they're leaving. Mm-hmm. They're so like, I'm never going to force a can soother. Can you come at 4 a.m.? <laughs> yeah. Please come visit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I teach them though. I teach them yeah. myself, right? Just feel that hard palate on the top of your yeah. mouth. 
and then drag your tongue back and feel where it's soft. That's where they want to draw that nipple in when they're nursing. And so if you present your soother on a slight angle and just lightly, don't shove it in there. That's not a good plan. Just at the front, you're going to stimulate that rooting reflex by putting Mm -hmm. it on that hard palate. They're going to draw that in. And if you hold it with a tiny tilt and then just give it a tiny bit of a little tap, there you go. Bob's your uncle. Baby's taking a soother. (laughs) Have you heard of Dunstan baby language? Yes, I have. It's something that I use as a technique for my in my sessions for years. Um, yeah. And you can tell what a baby wants by the sounds it makes. It really yes. changed my life as a new mama. Now, what additional resources should new photographers maybe look into when they're trying to educate themselves on babies and cues? Right. So, I mean, you can look at the happiest baby on the block with the five S's. That one will give you a good idea of how to settle babies. Or you can look into the Dunstan language where you're going to learn about their cries and what they mean, right? So you can try to identify if they're uncomfortable, if they're hungry, that sort of thing. Go look at the hip dysplasia website and understand, you know, what babies are at risk and which positions are are most at risk. And so, you know, if anyone has uh, comes in and I ask them, were there any injuries or do you know of any, you know, congenital uh conditions I should know of with the baby, that's going to help as well, right? So you can, and you know, I'm still to this day learning. Yeah, People will come in and they have the the strangest things and you just never have seen it before. Acromion dimples. I did not know that was a thing until, you know, I saw it and looked it up. And you then you realize after that, when you look at, you can, you can Google, but if you're going to do that, try to go to studies to look at studies. And a lot of people look at the scientific language and go, Oh my God, I can't read this. Like, (laughs) I don't want to read this. Look, I don't either. Right. I had to read tons of studies, learning to be a physiotherapist. It's not my favorite thing to do in the world. Go read the bottom part, the little conclusion review. It'll tell you everything you need to know about, you know, that condition. And so I think just being curious and, and keeping abreast of, new research is a good idea. You know, when you come across something that seems new or odd to you, try to look that up after the fact. Or if someone tells you ahead of time, okay, we experienced this or the baby has this, you know, then you can go and look that up. Like, how do I work with a baby that's in a Pavlov harness, right? For those that have hip dysplasia, or how do I work with a baby that has a club foot? Go and look that up. Look up what the restrictions are and ask them to consult with their physicians. So that's a big one for me. If baby has had any type of birth injury or congenital defect, I will say to the parents, please provide me with the restrictions that were given by a physician. And if none had been given, can you please ask Mm -hmm. and double check, right? Yeah. That's so important. Now you mentioned um, bichromial dimples. What are they? Yeah, so I actually was, um, I had a, a mentoree, is that what you call mentee? A student, a yeah. mentee. <laughs> oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Um, but I had, I had recently a mentee and she, I always tell them, you know, if you ever come across something and you don't know what it is or how to handle it, or you come across something that we didn't cover in the course, please tell me about it. Like, I want to learn. I want to know. Mm-hmm. And so she sent me this, this photo she'd taken of a baby and she'd mentioned, yeah, he had this little like weird depression right on his shoulder at the back mm-hmm. uh, by the shoulder blade. And it was on both sides. And I said, did you ask if either of the parents had that? 
And so she went back and asked and yep, sure enough, it was the dad, I think, or the mom, whichever had had that same condition. And so she was asking, is this anything, you know, that I should know about for future? And honestly, I'd never heard of it in my life. So I researched it and looked it up to see, were there any restrictions? And for the most part, no, that's not one that you have to be necessarily all that concerned about, except that it's probably best if you don't lay them on that on that arm on that side if it's only a singular side right yeah. so there were a few things that you know if they had um it, it depends on the form so if it was yeah. the genetic form then i think you don't really have to worry that much but but yeah you just you need to look up these conditions just to yeah. understand whether or not there's anything to worry about yeah. and uh, and if you can find out this stuff ahead of time even better I often ask my parents about things like that, you know, like things that they're noticing with their baby. I'll say, is there anything that you've noticed that's maybe slightly out of the ordinary that you think I should know about? And I'll ask that prior to, and then I usually ask at the session as well. Mm. So can we talk a little bit about insurance and liability and how important it is to consider these things before even starting to handle someone's precious newborn? And can you share why this is essential? Yeah, there's no way in heck (laughs) that I would (laughs) photograph anyone anywhere without it ever. (laughs) Regardless, uh, newborn, you know, wedding family, it doesn't matter. So I think every and any business needs to cover themselves. And so, yeah, insurance, you know, can extend beyond just your equipment, which is also important. You know, you'll want to make sure that you have coverage in case of accidental damage or loss um, for your equipment. I think it's, you know, you you really want to talk to your insurer about the type of work that you're doing. So it matters. It matters whether you're photographing in your home, in a home studio. It matters whether you're uh, heading to someone else's house to, to photograph babies. It matters if you have a more brick and mortar studio space that you're working out of. And then that differentiation between, like I said before, right? Like this is different than any other genre of photography. You are handling someone's newborn. So in physiotherapy, we need to carry 5 million coverage. And so I do the same with photography because I feel that in physiotherapy, I'm handling joints, I'm handling human people, and it's the same with newborns. And so, you know, people can come back for any reason whatsoever. And like I said before, you don't always see the result of a mishandling at the session. It may show up later. And so you don't know when someone might come back and say, I remember when this happened. Yeah. And also we live in a very inside our own industry kind of a world where this is all normal to us because we all work in the similar way. And so we would accept it as normal. What would a judge see? What would a lawyer see? I don't know. They don't have the experience that we do in this industry. And so you need to have that coverage so that you are not put in a position where you are going to lose your business perhaps your home if you're a sole proprietor you know if you have no separation between your business and your and yourself then your your home and everything you own is at risk right so your family life and that's just not worth it for me mm-hmm. so it's really important someone could have a slip and fall in your studio space i mean there's a lot going on there yeah. are diapers there are 
you know, babies that are not wearing diapers that might have accidents when parents are holding them. (laughs) So you can have wet floors, you can have, you know, cords or items on the floors, you can have things that fall, uh, light stands or any such thing. And so you want to make sure that you have the coverage that ensures that you're going to be able to continue in this career right? Like you'd be Mm -hmm. crazy to open a business and have a storefront and invite people in and not have the insurance to cover you for that. So it's no different. This is a business. As soon as you exchange anything for your art, (laughs) just because it's an art form doesn't mean it's not a business. And uh, if you're collecting money, then insurance is, is a necessity. Now, can you share with us a little bit about APNPI and how it came to be? Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. Uh, so APMPI stands for Accredited Professional Newborn Photographers International. And this is an organization that I formed along with my business partner, Kara Broughton, maybe four or five years mm-hmm. ago now. Yeah. I think that we've been working on it for longer. <laughs> <laughs> so there were definitely a few years in there where uh, the development phase But APNPI was formed out of uh, necessity, really. I really wanted to bring a little bit more safety awareness to the industry and to provide educational resources around safe practices. And so when members join APNPI, they automatically have access to our safety course and they complete a safety test in order to move forward in our programming. We offer other programs as well. Kara came from a teaching background. And so for her acquisition of knowledge in terms of the skill set of photography, lighting composition, and all of that technical aspects are are also equally important. So like we said before, you know, you want to be a skilled photographer and charge what you're worth. And so, you know, the two of us came together and her with her love for the skill acquisition component and myself for the love uh, and necessity of that safety information. And we formed the organization. So we consulted with a couple of other industry experts who have worked with organizations like PPA and PPOC. And I mean, those organizations are wonderful. Don't get me wrong. They're professional and they're wonderful. And there's a lot of merit to being a member there but they're not tailored to our industry and they don't offer specific information for newborn photographers or if they do, not enough. (laughs) And so, you know, I really thought this was somewhere where, you know, something that was needed in the industry and, you know, we have built in a lot of programming so you can earn your qualified newborn photographer certification, which essentially is a program that you apply to with your work and it's evaluated for lighting, composition, technique, your business acumen, so whether you're registered and insured and uh, how you deal with customer relations um, and then consistency of work. So if you can, you know, create a nice and consistent gallery for your clients. And once you pass that, you can move through into the other programming we offer, such as accreditations and designations. And then also twice yearly, we have our image competition, which I know you're aware of because you've come on several times and judged for us for our accreditation. I love it. I love doing it. It's so much fun Um, because I, it it keeps me on my toes. It keeps me learning. I know. Right. So I just, I get so excited when you guys ask me because I'm like, oh yeah, it's like 
polishing school again. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful. It's a really great opportunity when you get to look at other people's work and help yes. them to grow. Yes. Um, and, and provide specific feedback. So I love those programs too. Oh. They're, I'm so happy they're part of our programming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And just watching the students as they come through and as they're just improving leaps and bounds, yes. right? So yeah. we do in accreditation, I know that you just recently judged with us for accreditation more, well, almost, yeah, more than half, I think of our successful applicants in accreditation have achieved their accreditation on a second round. Yeah. So they've applied once and for whatever reason, one or two images, maybe they've had to reapply. And that's so wonderful because you can see the gallery of images that they started mm -hmm. with and you see these newer images that they're submitting and the growth is so evident. It's such a, a wonderful experience and very rewarding as an organization to see that work, which I know, you know, because you see your <laughs> student, you have your student showcases oh, yeah. with it's, your retreats. Seriously, the, like the growth that we get, like it blows my mind and I'm like mama yeah. bear proud of just our students. So of course, right. I know you feel that way too. Yeah. And it wasn't this way when we started, no, right? We didn't no. have all of these resources. Not so. at all. Not <laughs> at all. So I always love to end my interviews with this last question, and it is, what are you artistically curious about right now? Ooh, <laughs> this is a good one. <laughs> all right. This is so strange and off base, but I am turning into a plant mama. <laughs> <laughs> loving plants. Yep. Really, really loving them. I've seen a lot of beautiful photography done yep. that is more of the uh, modern home decor kind of bohemian look and have been experimenting with that with my plants. <laughs> so I love it. I love these little side projects that I do mm -hmm. just for me. They're not for clients. I have no intentions. So I don't want to showcase this work. I don't want to share it. I don't want to <laughs> sell it. I don't no, it's for me. And I think it's really important for people to have a project of their own, right? Something that you do just to feed your own self. And, uh, you know, if it grows from there, that's fine. I'm not saying you have to be selfish about it. <laughs> but sometimes when you take something you love and turn it into a business, it becomes harder. There's aspects about it that you're not going to love so much anymore. Yeah. And so this is just for me. This is my little treat. I love that. <laughs> to myself. I love that. Well, thanks for joining me today, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me. As always, I love connecting with you. Oh, my friends, I swear Stephanie and I could talk for hours when it comes to baby safety and just making sure our tiny little clients are safe. So if you haven't recently, and if you are a studio photographer, I would suggest maybe doing a little bit of a studio audit and just making sure that your environment that you're creating and bringing your clients in is the safest possible too. I'm sending you so much of my light and love today and every day. We'll see you next time. Ever wonder how some people seem to effortlessly connect with their clients? Well, my guess is they are using their unique superpowers to their advantage. When you allow more of you to shine through, good things happen. Discover your special superpower at themilkyway.ca slash quiz.